What's happening, weirdos? This is Bob Crawford. Bob Crawford from the Avid Brothers. I am such a huge, huge fan of the Avid Brothers. Huge fan of Bob as a person, not only as a, a bassist and vocalist and fiddlist and occasional trump trumpetist for the Avid Brothers, one of my favorite bands in the world. But he's also one of my favorite people in the world. He's incredible. He's deep. He's thoughtful. He's beautiful. And I had this chat with him. It was a while back, uh, but we sat on it for a minute, and I'm happy to be finally releasing it with you guys. Uh, and I spoke to him in his home over the Zoom Zoomables, and I'm so glad we got in touch. You guys need to see them live. The Avid Brothers are currently on tour, which is something that I'm just like, I'm not even close to done being grateful for the fact that we can tour again, the Avid Brothers, we can go see the Avid Brothers again. Go to theavitbrothers.com slash tour for tickets to those. If you go to any of them that are in California, take a look around. You'll probably see me and Val there uh, hooting and hollering along with you. Don't hoot and holler during this, you know, after the songs. Not during the songs. Don't be that guy. I'm also, <laughs> this is the silliest intro. I'm also going to be on the, I am on the road, I guess you can say, even though it's not, you know, I'm recording this at home. But go to PeteHolmes.com if you'd like to see me live doing stand-up. It's the Where Were We Tour. I'm so thrilled to be back with live audience crowds in cities other than Los Angeles. Thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. Thank you to everybody that came to Toronto, Atlantic City, Boston. Up next is Chicago, which is sold out, except we just added a late show on Saturday at the Den Theater so please come out to those. It's going to be so fun to be in Chicago, the city that I, I pretty much, I know I did it a few times in Boston, but I consider Chicago to be the city where I learned how to do stand-up. And it's always so fun to come back. So please come out to the Den. Go to PeteHolmes.com for tickets. That's November 10, 11, and 12. Uh, after that, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Washington, D.C. And hopefully we'll be adding some more dates very, very soon. And if you like this show, why not try, you know this, why not try a Pete's Pick? Ads for things that I actually use and actually love, like Living Libations. Living Libations has done a complete overhaul of all of our hair, skin, teeth, and baby products. We are a Living Libations family. It all started because I realized I was being very careful about what I was putting in my body when it came to food. But I really had get, never given it any thought about what I was putting on my body. Sunblock, skincare, moisturizer, all of these things are, are often filled with a lot of chemicals that you just don't want getting into your body. And the things you put on your body do get into your body. And that's where Living Libations comes into play. This is a great way to support the show because they have little things and they have big things. Like we use their zinc-based sunscreen. It's called Love the Sun. Leela is in preschool now, which means every morning we have to slather her head to toe in sunscreen. And just with the littlest amount of effort, uh, looking on Amazon, all of the stuff that they call natural or they call natural and, and like some sort of alternative to chemical sunblocks, they're still filled with chemicals. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. It's like a huge hoax. If you want an actually natural, actually zinc-based sunblock that works fantastic, feels great on your skin, and you can put something on your kid that you don't feel terrible about, 
Use living libations. They love the sun. Sunscreen is incredible. And also use it on yourself. I mean, you're worth it. I'm going to tell you, you're worth it. I use their ginger exfoliating scrub, which is not only natural and made with ingredients that I can recognize and pronounce, but it's also one of the most, it, not one of the most, it's the most badass exfoliant I've ever used in my life. Use it before you shave. The, the razor just glides. It glides, baby, through the Zen Shave. Zen Shave is Living Libations's, Living Libations's uh, shaving balm, which again is so clean. The ingredients are so clean and so natural. You can actually use a dab of it as your aftershave. Try doing that with some anonymous neon blue goo that you buy at 7-Eleven. Whatever you need. Great way to support the show. Face, body, eyes, teeth even baby products. Living Libations has a premium, natural, and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare they sell at 7-Eleven. Go to livinglibations.com and use promo code WEIRD, capital W-E-I-R-D, November, capital N-O-V-E-M-B-E-R. WEIRD, November, both first words capitalized. That's the code for this month. You will get yourself 15% off and you'll be doing your face, your skin, your teeth, whatever it is, your body, a favor and showing your support of the show. That's livinglibations.com, promo code Weird November. Get into it. Secondly, do you love podcasts? Uh, yeah, you do. You're listening to this one right now. Or even better, maybe you're thinking about starting a podcast, or maybe you want to record an album, or maybe do voiceover for that cartoon series that you've been wanting to upload to YouTube. Well, all of those things start with incredible microphones and, you know, they need to be amazing. They need to give you that amazing in-studio quality, but if it possible, we don't want to pay that huge studio costs. Well, guess what? Blue microphones have got you covered. I'm speaking into a blue microphone right now. This is the Sona, uh, it's the blue Sona XLR mic, which is very high-end. It sounds incredible. It's the best mic we've ever owned, ever used. But we actually started this podcast with Blue's most famous mic, which is the Blue Yeti. It's their USB mic that you can just plug right into your computer and start podcasting, start animating, recording, whatever you need to do with voiceover, with recording, music. It sounds great. Even if you're new to recording, it requires absolutely no training or expertise. It's truly plug and play. It's also the only USB mic I found that has different settings for solo, sitting across from another person, and omnidirectional for when you want to record every sound in the room. Literally never found another one with all of those different settings and is also so easy to use. So, so cool. It's made by the same company that makes high-end studio mics that have been used on so many major, huge hit records. Same technologies behind these ones. Blue have been around for more than 20 years, and today, Blue is part of Logitech for Creators. And as I mentioned, if you're watching the video, I'm touching it right now. This is the Blue Sona XLR mic for podcasters. We use this, and as you can tell, it's upped our game quite a bit. So, what are you waiting for? If you want to do it, and do it well, anything, with your voice, with music, with sound, go to bluemic.com. Dot com and use promo code WEIRD for a special deal on any Blue microphone and show your support of the show. Again, that's bluemike.com. You're my boy, Blue! <laughs> and use promo code WEIRD for a special deal on any Blue microphone and show your support of this show. Last but certainly not least is one of the OG Pete's Picks, which is on it 
Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain has absolutely revolutionized how I am a creative person and how I get my work done. And if you do something that involves your noodle, your brain, your thoughts, <laughs> your memory, your focus, I promise, or I'll speak for me, Alpha Brain has made my access to my own brain, my own thoughts, my own creativity, my focus, and my concentration so much more natural, effortless, and easy. It is not uh, a stimulant. It's not caffeine. It doesn't get you jacked up. In fact, I like to take it often before I go to bed because it gives me very vivid and interesting dreams, which I also love. But if you take it during the day, it's not going to give you dreams. You're just going to be able to focus and get into that flow state that much easier. I have Alpha Brain in my car. I have it in all of my travel bags. I often have it in the pockets of all of my jackets. I've had fans come up to me and ask me for Alpha Brain, and I've taken it out of my jacket pocket. That's how much I love it. And if you're doing something that involves your brain, if you're a student, if you're a creator, creative type, or honestly, Val and I just had a wedding anniversary. I took a couple Alpha Brain before our date just because I wanted to have access to my thoughts, to my memories, to, to, to be focused, to be present, to be locked in. Alpha Brain is a huge, huge, huge game changer. If you like it one-tenth as much as I do, you're going to shit your pants. And I promise, uh, well, for me, it's helped me get my work done. If I don't take it, I absolutely, absolutely notice the difference. It is a huge secret weapon, earth-grown ingredients, game changer. Best way to see if you like it is to give it a try, and you'll be showing your support of the show. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you'll get 10% off everything you see on that landing page. That's onnit.com slash weird. You'll get 10% off everything on that landing page and show your support of the show and support and support your brain. Support your clarity and your memory. Okay, this intro, this intro is over. So glad I got to finally sit down with Bob Crawford from the Ava Brothers. Uh, get, uh, uh, get into it. You look great. Look at you. You're Thank all you. tri- like I'm all sweaty, and uh, you have a you have an upright uh, base behind you. It, and who is that? Is that uh, Merlin? Is who's that, that? Merlin? <laughs> Do you know who that is? Do you, do you Saint, have an original Merlin? Saint you? Jude. That is Saint Jude. Saint Jude. I don't know much about Saint Jude. That is the actual photograph of Saint Jude from before he was killed. I I think by arrows. I I don't know how to break this to you. That is not a photograph. (laughs) That's not a photograph. Maybe it's a derogatype. (laughs) What is a derogatype? It is the earliest photographs. There is one of John. There's one of John Quincy Adams. It's a. the first president to be photographed was John Quincy Adams, and it's I think actually With, a derogatype is the the method. The is, maybe the name of the guy who would, did it. Would they project the image through Don't. a lens and then paint it? No, no, this is a photograph. I've heard of that. No, it's really we'll on it photographic. I will send film. it to you. Yes, it's it's out there. I have it in a book on the shelf. That you can't see. But that's because I don't. Oh, it's on that wow. shelf right there. Right there. Yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, show yeah. off those built-ins? <laughs> see, you, you got you got a nice little setup going. I love it. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time, man. Tell oh, why St. Jude. Let's. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like I do feel like I have to be like. So, Bob, how'd you get into Avitz and and all that stuff? But like, I'm really excited to talk to you. Because we have so many shared interests, but I feel like we have to like hook them a little bit, them, the, the <laughs> listeners, the people joining us right now and be like, 
Bob's in the he's in the Ava Brothers, everybody. And that's that's why we're going to listen to the rest of our God talk and our on our discussion on all of that theology and good stuff. But I want to give a little bit. But but before we'll jump ahead. Why St. Jude? Oh, because my daughter is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. She yes. has had three brain tumors, sent through a brain tumor at 22 months old and two recurrences, her last oh, wow. being September of 2020, which it was like the most 2020 thing that happened in 2020 to us. Yes, our yeah, daughter, that's right having a, a seven-year remission <clears throat> of brain tumors, which you don't get a seven-year remission. And then, You mean that's unusual to come back after seven I years think, like that? I think it's it's unusual. Well, these are all rare and deadly, of course. and um, But once you get five years, that's pr- a pretty good place to be. And so for yeah. set, hers is really super rare. And I mean, so rare that you know, she was diagnosed with one tumor, and I, I can go into the names of them, but it'll just people make people more confused. Um, but so she was diagnosed with one brain tumor here in North Carolina, rare, deadly. Uh, we did second opinion at Dana Farber in Boston in St. Jude, and they said no, it's actually an astrocytoma glioma, rare and deadly. Um, but so we went to St. Jude and it was literally on a wing and a prayer because at our home, the UNC Chapel Hill, they said, there's really nothing you can do. We can pull up some chemo protocol off the shelf and maybe that'll give you some time. But, but there's really, we're talking about quality of life here, not survival. And so this is, um, this is in August. Well, we got to St. Jude, October of 2011. She was diagnosed August 28th of 2011. And so we arrive at St. Jude with no hope, but the hope of St. Jude, who is the patron saint of the hopeless cause. And so we- That's why? Because I knew St. Jude was the was the cancer hospital, obviously, yeah. Yeah. but I didn't know why um, for the hopeless- I, I can go into the history of the hospital um, that involves entertainer Danny Thomas, if you'd like. Or we can skip over okay. that. But I'll, I will give you the really because this is this is this is pertinent. Um, Danny Thomas, who was other than being you know, in addition to being a great comedian and singer and entertainer, in back in that he wasn't in the rap pack, but back in that era, the um, crooning times, the crooning times, he was he had his own. He had the Danny Thomas sitcom, and he also became a great producer and produced. And created the Andy Griffith Show, among many other wow. great um, classic uh, sitcoms. So anyway, Danny mm. Thomas was a struggling uh, entertainer, and his daughter Marlo Thomas had just been born, and he was in Detroit, and he had fifteen bucks to his name. And down on his luck, he goes into the St. Jude Cathedral and prays to St. Jude. And lights a candle, says, if you give me a break, you give me my big break, you give me just a chance, something to hold on to here, I will do something great in your name hmm. to honor you. And he put eight of his $15 in the, in the, in the prayer bucket. And um, next day he got a radio ad. And from the, you know, doing voicing a radio ad, and then he got another gig, and then he got another gig. So years go by. He's very successful, very famous. 
And Cardinal Stritch, who was the archbishop of the cardinal for um, Chicago, said to him one day, Cardinal Stritch. I think it was either Archbishop or Stritch. That is, it was Stritch. I can tell you that. Stritch is is that's like Stritch is a stretch. Nurse Hatchet. Are you saying Stritch is a stretch? (laughs) Stritch is a stretch. I'm saying it's like Nurse Nurse Ratchet. It's like a name that you sound like you're in trouble just based on (laughs) who wants to. Well, he he was because he said. Danny, remember the promise you made to St. Jude. And so- How did you know about it? I, because Danny Thomas was a fit, he was a, a, a cat, like a very Catholic Like he, he man. flapped his gums and said, I made a promise, yeah. I made a promise. Well, yeah. And, and he was also a Lebanese uh, second generation. His, his father came over from Lebanon. And so he was second gen- generation American. And actually the fundraising arm- of St. Jude is ALSAC, which is the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities. And so, so they decide to, the, the good, the good Cardinal or Archbishop and Danny decide to do, um, to create a hospital for children with catastrophic illnesses. And they form this American Lebanese Syrian Associated Ch- Charities. And they go around the country and find all these successful Americans of, of Lebanese and Syrian descent. Uh, one mm. of them, for example, was a, a man named Richard Shadiak, who was a Justice Department lawyer. Uh, and so there's all, so all these guys get together and they begin to fundraise for this for this hospital that they're going to build in St. Jude's honor. And they don't know where to put it. And Danny, and and the cardinal says, I think there's some we have a hospital in Memphis, Tennessee that like, like a Catholic hospital that maybe isn't doing well. And I may not be getting all this exactly right, but basically they, they have, there's a Catholic connection to a hospital uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. And the other thing that was attractive about Memphis was that it was very poor. And so if you have a hospital for catastrophic areas and you put it, you could put it in New York, put it in Chicago, put it in LA. But if you put it in the South, it's somewhere where there's a great need. So, so they decide they're going to put this hospital in Memphis and they start fundraising. And who fundraises for this thing? Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr. All the, all the, all the heavy hitters of the time. So the hospital is, um, I believe it opens its doors in 1962. I believe, I believe, but they groundbreak in like 59 or whatever. And so anyway, Danny Thomas, one of the greatest Americans of the 20th century, at the very least, wow. worthy of his wow. worthy of his postage stamp. And um, <laughs> uh, uh, what I like about this story, Bob, is that, and this isn't a bit. He needed the nudge. Human beings are good, but we're better together. He made the promise. Uh, you you could say like, oh yeah, but then he forgot, and then and then uh, Nurse Ratched had to <laughs> say, hey, wait a minute. But that, that's actually what's lovely about that's one of the many lovely things about that story. And even the humility to include that, that they weren't shy that that was part of the story. And then it became this collective thing. But it started, I guess what I'm saying is I take hope from that. I have moments, we've all thrown Hail Mary passes and, and had prayers where we're like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But it's when when human beings get together, huge things happen, right? Oh, yeah, because we can't do it ourselves. 
No. See, no I mean, to clean that up showbiz wise is you like to make that a movie. Somebody would want to remove the moment where someone said like, hey, didn't you say you were going to do something for St. Jude? You would remove that because we want Iron Man. You know what I mean? We, mm-hmm. Those are our modern mythologies. We don't want. Uh, and by the way, I, I'm not calling him broken. I'm saying we're all broken and oh, we're yeah. all in need. And my wife Val is that for me so often. I'm an achiever. And one of the things that achievers can do is, is they can sometimes forget who's helping them or who's helped them along the way. And Val is very good to be like, hey, uh, dipshit. And, and, and I'm just like, oh, God, at least you recognize when you're wrong and you go like, oh, yeah, we need to we need to make that right or make that right or whatever. So I love that's the part of the story that really stood out to me. Um, obviously, the fact that all of these people, these great people came together. I'd love to see Elvis fundraising and be like a little less conversation, a little more donating. That's you know right. Well, there are pictures, right? There are pictures of Elvis on a stage with Danny Thomas. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause Elvis being from Memphis as well. So it was, and St. Jude, the history of the, the hospital, I mean, they've, it was at St. Jude in the eighties and nineties that childhood leukemia went from a 20% survival rate to an 80% survival rate, 80 plus now. Wow. So they've had wow. the, the Nobel prize winners and the, you know, it, it it went on to be, I'm sure he, he, when he passed away, that was what he was most proud of being a part of. And uh, there's a, another great aspect of St. Jude was that here you go. You're in this deep South during the time of, and just after segregation. And so you would have kids who came from all over and you would have you know, white kids and black kids. And the ho- there was no housing at that point at St. Jude. So um, the hotels would say, well, they wouldn't provide housing for the, the black kids. And Danny Thomas said, if you don't take the black kids, I'm not going to give you the white kids here. And so mm. he really de- helped to desegregate and it, Memphis. And it's crazy to think, even at our age, I'm like, I can't fully imagine what a big move that was. Yeah. We're like, of course, yeah. and everyone will support you and everyone will cheer. And it's like, no, when he said that, a lot of like whoever it is, whether it be probably people not associated with the hospital, but probably some people even associated with the hospital, were like, no, that's insane. That's insane. So he was still, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to bolster that move. It wasn't as easy. You no. or I would be like, we need these, all the people. And and now everyone would cheer, thankfully. More people would cheer. But back then, the majority was actually like, what are you, nuts? Like, exactly. Which is thankfully hard to get my mind around. It's never as in, it always seems inevitable, right? Like today, the day that we're speaking is the 80th, 75th anniversary of D-Day. And, mm. you know, I've heard this a hundred times today, but it's just like, it was inevitable, right, that the allies were going to win the war and Hitler would be defeated and uh, the world would be made safe for democracy. And for at least that 70 years that we had, we had it. Um, but that wasn't inevitable. That didn't just Of course happen. it wasn't. <laughs> it was this is what I'm saying. That's the removing of Cardinal uh, Stritch. Right. What, is it? what was it? Stritch. What was it again? Stritch. Stritch. You're going to make me look we all always, this up too, but <laughs> uh, We remove the Stritch. From the stories, we we want just inevitable victory, but no story is certainly no story worth telling. No. But no human story is going to be that clean. Of course, everybody was was nervous about about D Day. Are you crazy? Of course, <laughs> yes. But you know, we we look back and we give it a nice glossy glossy shine. 
Um, so that's why St. Jude, you know, man, I, I do want to just jump into it because I, I love talking about this stuff. I'm a parent. First of all, thank you for telling that, that story. Of course, I, I know it from the movie. I watched you guys on CNN. So I've heard you tell it a couple of times. Obviously it's so weird. Actually, that would be interesting to talk about. It's like, it's become a thing that you talk about right. and that has to be strange, right? I mean, there are certain experiences in life that even though they're unwanted, they they have a certain sacred or unspeakable, let's say unspeakable quality, but then it becomes like, what service is Bob to the world? What service is your family story to the world if you don't talk about it? But was it hard to kind of get over that hurdle of like, I have to imagine when your wife finds your baby having a seizure, that's like the last thing on your mind is like, I'm going to get good at recalling this and, and even breaking it down into beats and even having an awareness of like, how much is too much? Like I need mm -hmm. to, don't forget to close on hope, Bob. <laughs> People right. don't no, want it's... you on CNN, not closing yeah. on hope. Yeah. So I've, there's like yeah. a cultural cancer talk dance that we do. Would you talk a little bit about that? Because it, it's beautiful what you're doing. Sure. But I'd love to know how you've uh, transitioned into surviving that to guy who now talks about it. It's almost like what happened and then there's the way we talk about it, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, well, let me just say for all the hope that there is, and there's a lot of hope. And if it wasn't hope, and if it for me, if it wasn't hope, if it wasn't faith, I, I couldn't go on. I couldn't talk mm. to you right now. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. You know, um, my life would be uh, just a dark and gloomy place. You know, and it's and it's mm. hard, but 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 there is hope, and there's joy in the pain and the sorrow, and we'll get to that. Um, but that's when, all. You know, as you said that. Sorry for lighting up, but I'm like, buddy. So many people, this is, this is it. This is what we're talking about. And too much of life has become texting or, or social media or movies or just talking about pants. And that's one of the main reasons I'm excited to talk to you, where you find that hope, where you find that faith and, and finding the joy and the suffering. And also when it's not joyful too, like all of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, so please yeah. consider this, your safe space, because I really believe people need to, I need to hear it as well. So, and I'm here for you too. You are not burdened with reminding us all that there's hope. I am here for you as well. So thank you. Don't feel like you have to push it up the, up the hill, no. but we're talking about talking about it and, and, and go, go wherever you were going just then. Yeah. So, well, you know, you mentioned it, my, my daughter was, for those that don't know, uh, the band was, coming home from a European tour. It was our, like our most successful for us, you know, our most three and a half weeks in Europe. And it was really successful for us. And, and we were, we were, um, on cloud nine and, uh, we, the plane lands in Charlotte, North Carolina from Germany. I turned on my phone really excited because my son was just born two months before that. And yeah, I've been gone for almost half my son's life. Like at that point. Mm. And, um, mm. Those and, are unfair fractions. Don't yeah. <laughs> don't beat yourself up with those fractions. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, <laughs> but but my daughter was 22 months old, and um, turn on the phone, and and my wife's like, "Honey, I just Hallie, you know, she's in the hospital. Something this. She's like, and my wife was just so poised, and you know, crying, um, and struggling, but but just like this woman 
had just experienced the most tra- traumatic moment of her life. And, uh, you know, she, she went to get Hallie out of the crib. She's having a seizure. She's doing this thing called posturing where her arms are stretched out and her hands are balled into fists. Uh, her, her left eye is, is moving. She was essentially having a stroke. Like she was having seizures mm. and, and she was probably having a stroke because she had several strokes that day. And so uh, my wife gets her downstairs. She calls 911. 911 comes. They go to the hospital. All, all this time I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the plane. I'm completely unaware. Get to the hospital. They, they intubate her while she's awake. So my daughter lets out a scream while they're putting the ventilator in, in, down her throat. And my wife for the moment was like, thank God she's alive. Like just... That was a sign that that Hallie was still alive. They do uh, imaging. They find a mass in her brain that was a quarter of the size of her brain at that time. Um, at that age, as as you will probably remember, our skulls are soft until about about that time is when they begin to harden. So she essentially had this mass in her head, this tumor, and it was allowed to grow larger and larger and move things out of the way, like it had moved her. Um, the right side of her brain into the left side of her brain because of um, the softness of, of, the, of the skull. So wow. So yeah. that's probably why this was the moment that it presented itself. She had hmm. she'd vomited a little bit a couple days before, but you know, you call the pediatrician and it's like, oh, kids do this thing. And, and, you know, and then, then she came around, you know, the night before she was actually doing better. They they went to get ice cream and, and things seemed, she was on the floor coloring, you know, things seemed to be moving in the right direction. So mm. they get to the hospital. Hallie needs to go into surgery. It's emergency surgery. We don't know what's going on yet. Uh, and this is pretty much when I call. And so she's trying to explain this thing to me. And all, can you talk? Sorry, Bob. Yeah. Tell me a little, what was You've talked to your wife about this moment. Yeah. How was she anchoring herself? Was it shock? Was it, did she have to, she was worried about me. She was worried mm. about like, cause she knows me. Mm. I, I'm a mess. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, of all the things. Yeah. Like I can be, know, I'm fighting tears this whole time, but that, that, that is, there's something beautiful and human about yeah. that. By the way, you and I both know by rights, she could have been freaking out. That would have been okay. Right. But and she was, you drop, know, in her, yeah. in her I, no, human I, way, you know. Yes, please. Nobody misunderstand right. that she no, was calm. No, no, she was poised But she was, poised in the she face was of, able yeah. to think of that. That's a, 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 a heroic love right she, there. Yeah, that's really beautiful. She had called our manager and had him meet me at the airport because she knew I couldn't drive the two hours. When, once I got this information, she knew I would be unable wow. to physically drive myself the two hours from Charlotte to Chapel Hill. And so Dol- Dolph, Dolph, Dolph came and got you. Yeah. I, yeah. And so, so what the craziest thing is like Scott and I, we had um, on the way, we had upgraded ourselves to first class. Like the band, we're all <laughs> Joe Kwan and and Seth. You know, they're all on coach, and and Scott and I are like, hey, let's let's just treat ourselves here. So we upgraded wow. ourselves at the last minute. So he and I flew back in first class and just like had the loveliest conversations and talked mm. about music and and it was and our kids because his son, you know, he had you know his daughter Eleanor and then his son Max is only two months older than my son. And so we were both, you know, so excited to come home to our, our young families and, and, you know, we were going to work with Rick Rubin and like the, the few, we had been working with Rick Rubin, like the future yeah. at that yeah. moment was, was bright. It was just really bright. Can I 
just say, sorry to interject, but it's like, it's this, it's almost fitting, meaning it's like there's, you're flying, you're, you're dealing with what we are normally dealing with. Things like airplane seats, things like first class upgrades and, and, and good conversations and stuff. And I feel like we're all on this tightrope all of the time. And this, this is some of the relief I want to give. We all know that we're skating in a mystery. You know, God makes plans. Uh, man makes plans. God laughs, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We all know that, Bob. And, and even though we're both fighting tears right now, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I, I, I think it's a gift to talk about this. Like something about, the European tour went well. The flight got upgraded. It 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 rings cosmically true that there's so many stories, not just your story, so many stories that are like, talk to people on deathbeds that are just like, why are you so stressed out? Mm-hmm. Or why are you mad at your cousin? Because they are awoken to the potentials of, of all the infinite possibilities. And, and there's something cinematic about what's happening. I, I'm not excited about it. I'm just no, saying, but it's something look it's, about it. it's coming for us all. Like, like, yes, that's it. That's right. We are in the earliest days of this. Um, we had a, a doctor who we had a doctor. I'll just say that. And she said, um, you don't get through life without something like this happening, mm. you know? And then we would have older uh, people come like like Scott and Seth's parents would came to the hospital, and to see us. And they said, um, "I remember Jim saying this is what ho- older people experience. This not people your age. Like this is, you know, you get older, you see tragedy, you experience tragedy. It comes, it comes close. You know, maybe that's right. you know, Your parents pass, and you know, you just you see you see stuff. You you live, you see stuff. And but but for yeah. us at that age." Though I was forty, um, but but I mean th- that wasn't the being at your twenty-two months old bedside, you know, when she's clinging to life right. isn't typical. Um, so right. so but, so the plane lands. You know, I call my wife. She she does her best to explain what's going on, and I'm you know my heart's dropped, and I'm not in. I'm having a panic attack or something. I'm in shock, and at the moment, Scott's like, "What's going mm. on? What's going on?" I'm trying to explain it to him, and then the TSA or whoever stormed the plane because there was like a threat on the plane. And they're just like, um, the, you remember that you have the guards on the plane after 9-11, they start putting those guys on the yeah, plane. Yeah, the marshals. And the marshals. And there's like, you got to get out of the plane. You got to get out of the plane. So so I'm trying to explain Scott what's you know going on. I can barely move. He's like literally you know guiding me like I'm a, a 90-year-old crossing the street you know, off of the plane. I explained for him. I explained it enough to him, and he literally guides me through customs and explains to them. You know, gives them my passport and says, "This guy just got some really bad news." And like, literally, Scott got me through customs, mm. Mm. and then I get through, and I guess the word had gotten out because I see that our band members, and you know, they. I guess Dolph told them. Something was was really going. Hallie was in the hospital, and it was not good. And I could just see this worried, like this distance. It, you know, after this happened, no matter how close I was with anybody, Scott and Seth, anybody, like the, there's there is a a gap, right? There's just a distance because you've experienced this, you know. 
Go ahead. I, 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 no, no. Uh, yeah, no, you're, yeah. You're empathetic. No, you're telling this beautiful story. I'm just saying that's what I'm saying. These these moments where where Scott merges with you. Yeah. It's this. It's this thing. And again, Papa, I hate this story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. This story. It's a horrible story. And and there's these weird. He wouldn't have grabbed you like that, literally carrying. Not I, I don't no, mean carrying no, you, you can, but yeah, no, but, you can. You and there's your band, and you can finish what you were saying. It yeah. sounds like your hearts shatter open. It's like Leonard Cohen. The, the cracks yeah. are how the light gets in, right? right? Yeah. Suddenly, why do we have the deathbed "I love you, Dad" scenes? It's because the sledgehammer. Well, how are you going to say it? Removes the distance, right? It, right. It, it's yeah. 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 And so, and then I see Dolph and then we, this, and this is the most beautiful, one of the many, cause you're right. Like the light, the light gets in the cracks and, and, you know, my wife and I, we were crushed, but the kindness that we experienced, you know, over the, the course of this is just far and wide and deep. Mm. Um, mm. And um, one of the first earliest acts you know, besides Dolph coming to, to to take me, was um was Scott getting in the car with us, and he had not seen his family in over three weeks, and without thinking, or or thinking, like this guy needs me. I don't know. He got in the car. He went to Chapel Hill with us, and and Dolph had brought mm. a friend to drive my car to, you know, home for me all that way, two yeah. and a half hours. So it's, it's me, Scott and Dolph in Dolph's car driving to Chapel Hill. And then Dolph's friend, Brian, uh, driving my car following behind, you know, and wow. Wow. You know, just this, this really, that, mm. and, and orchestrated was, oh, by yeah, my good. wife. No, you know, and wow. cause, cause she didn't know what to do. So she called Dolph and Dolph was like, I, you know, let me, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And, and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just incredible. So, so we get to the hospital and we go in the emergency. They told us to come in the emergency exit and on the way, um, you know, Me- Melanie, you know, we had another couple conversations and it was just, it kind of felt like I was she wasn't going to make it. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just, it just seemed like, you know, we, we didn't know it was happening. She was in surgery the, this whole time she's in surgery. And so we get there and, and this, this, uh, one of someone who works at the, an administrator, at the hospital guides Scott and I up this back elevator as, as Dolph's parking the vehicle. And we go up to the, to the, sorry, pit. Bob, just yeah. one, one detail. Are you, sure. are you locked up? Completely locked up at this, or is the are the emotions coming? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at this, I was at this was, point. I'm like, I, I'm like, somebody's got to hold Bob. Someone right. has to. Well, there were times where I was just, I was him. so calm in the on the car ride that I was, mm. I was mad at myself for being so calm. Like I was like, mm. why, why are you? I didn't feel anything. I was numb. Like this is mm-hmm. like people say I was numb. That that would I would say, but then I would be just a mess. You know, yeah. it's, it's just really weird. When I saw my wife, it flowed and I of saw course. her family was there. And these people, mm. I just, we, our friends had get like people had gathered at the, mm. at the picky waiting room. 
you know, and mm. Hallie's in surgery and, and, and the people we love are there. And my wife and I embrace, we look, we look each other in the eye and it's like this moment of like, yeah, we're, we're doing this. Like we're doing, like we're in this and we're doing this. Yeah, that's right. Like, and it was yeah. the, this affirming. I wonder, like, go yeah, ahead. Affirming. It was just very affirming. Like, like I know, like she would have to tell you her side of it, but, but f- for me, it was, it just, it was like, we, like we, we had, we were the only two people in the world, you mm. know, who were experiencing this and we had each other, we had each other. Mm. I wonder by, if the, I, I find sometimes in moments of, of a high stress and I'm not going to clear my throat people, when they talk to you, they must, you must hear constantly not to compare to you <laughs> or all that sort of like grief, uh, right, right. sort of PP measuring the, the, the suffering not, Olympics. We call it the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even talking about a specific, uh, moment. I'm just relating to you that sometimes it's freeze. It, you kind of go into that fight flight and sometimes there's like a, uh, like a numbness and out of bodiness. Sure. It's and and I I wonder, like uh, moments in my parenting, I've I've felt where Leela had a lot of um, UTIs when she was a baby, right. and and there were moments where Val, you know, we're new parents, and she's just going like, I think something's like really really wrong, and for some reason, I would just be completely like, this is okay, we will go to the hot like. And I said to Val later, I was like, I feel like if she was calm, I would have freaked out. But it like balances. It's well, like one yeah. of us at a time. I'm the freak out. I'm the I'm the I'm the you're the freak out. I am the freak out king to mm. this day. Tell maybe, me. Maybe it's gotten better. I don't know. You take I, mean, I, I hope she walks in. You can ask her. But but I mean yeah, yeah. But it's it's um uh yeah, she she she's like um has gotten to be because obviously we have, you know, Hallie will be 13. I don't want to, I don't want to like, like skip mm. over to like the happy thing, but you know, she was 22 months old when this journey began and she's here, mm. man. She's here. Yes. She, you know, November 1st, yeah. she'll be 13. So, wow. I mean, so, you know, she's has multiple uh, disabilities and, and this, and so it's been a, it's been a rough, we've had a rough ride with her, but you know, we know the joy, right. But still, yeah. Yeah. you know, to this day, like my wife's like, watch, she like, I'm like, what's going on? What do you think is going on? What things happening? You think she's okay? And I was like, I'm watching. I'm watching. You know, she's, you know, she's mm. more. Let's observe, and and let's kind of like gather the data. It's interesting. And then yes. And then, but I'm like well, both, both. I'm calling the doctor. You know, like yeah, both are needed though. Yeah, I'm the one who won't call the doctor necessarily. Obviously, right. we we have your limit. But I'll be the one that's like, I'm sure it's fine. Let me just walk around with her. I'll be calm. That'll calm her down and all that sort of stuff. But you need Val. Leela needed a whatever. a cath- Like she needed the thing. Yeah. So it takes both. So I'm just celebrating Bob. Obviously, we're celebrating your wife too. But it's those two energies that balance one another. So so I love, I love obviously, again, I, I have to say I'm excited by the love and the, and the compassion in the story. And I'm saddened by everything else, but the moment of, and the detail of looking in each other's eyes, I have to think almost like a car crash. It has to be, you're nowhere else in the world, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're not, you're not thinking about well, your present, a, your present. And I'm not saying that's a silver lining. I'm saying that has to make it a peak experience. Well, it I, has to be. Yeah. 
Well, I go to therapy, like I, I see a therapist, right? And, um, and not every week, I probably should. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to the point where, oh, I'm good. And then you don't see the therapist. And then like sure. everything goes down. You're like, uh, you call the therapist. That's how like, I, hey, that's how I am with meditating. Right? I, I'm, I'm right. currently not meditating and I'm like, something's wrong. And I'm like, Pete, how many times do you need to rediscover that you need to right. be meditating? Maintenance. Or therapy. Maintenance. Yes, yeah. And it's, just, it's like me looking at my Bible, you know, for me, like as far as like reading either, either reading scripture or reading, um, you know, a, a, a thinker. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when you're not nourishing something that, that, that feeds you. Yeah. You yeah. need to nourish it. But, but, um, oh man, I, I just lost, I just lost, uh, we're uh, talking about, oh, uh, about being, being present. present. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I saw her a couple of weeks ago and I said, um, you know, I, it's all about being present, isn't it? And my wife would be like, I've been telling you that for 16 <laughs> years. <laughs> At but, least your but, therapist is a but, woman, and then you can't be like, "Oh, now that a man when, told you." When, 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 um, when I think about the worst things that could happen, in, not just to my daughter, but to my daughter, frequently I think about the bad outcomes, and then just I think about bad outcomes for my son. I think about bad for myself, for you know, for mm-hmm. all of us. Um, and that's like that is not being present, and it's like because because even when we're getting to this like getting back to what happened with Hallie in that moment in the hospital, it's like when the really bad things happen, they aren't, they pretty much don't happen all at once. All the bad feelings you have does, it doesn't all happen at once. And, um, when you're present to it, uh, it's more digestible as awful as it is. You're, you're, you're living it. You're greeting the moment by moment by moment. And you're, you're getting through it because you're yep. actually living it and experiencing it. As Have you heard? It of course. A- anxiety is paying interest on a debt that isn't yours. I, I, is a quote that I love. My wife says borrowing like, trouble. You're borrowing trouble. trouble. Yeah. I've also heard praying for something you don't want. Right. Uh, that one's a little superstitious adjacent. I don't think that's how it works. That if you worry, 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 then, then it's no, I happen. do that all the time. Like my, my negative yeah. thoughts and my anxiety will not put a brain tumor in my daughter's head. That's right. That's right. Like, and it won't, it won't crash your car. And no. like, you know, there, there's something, uh, that's why I don't love it, that one. It might make me play a bad bass note. I will say it does work in the small, in the small <laughs> term for sure. If I went into this conversation and was like, I don't like, I, I will say before we start this, this is going to be great. We are both going to love this. This is going to, uh, people are, this is their favorite episode, that sort of stuff, because it does help in the short term. But I don't think I can, you know, I don't even want to say the examples of, you know, break your window or whatever. That's not, right. that's not how it works. Right. But I do think it's interesting. I think it's brilliant what you're saying is that when we're suffering, one of the ways to relieve it is like, what, like ask yourself, what are you suffering for? And often for me, and for, I think a lot of people, it's something that you're forecasting into the future that hasn't happened and probably won't happen. Even if it, it's likely, let, let me put it this way. Val and I have been saying lately, what's the problem right now? And so many of us, Bob, not just in you're dealing with the capital letter tragedy things, but in most things, our brain, I actually think it gets a perverse 
pleasure. You're, you're a Bible person. I think obsessive thinking, dwelling, um, inability to let go of a fantasy. These are like demon possessions. These are possessions. Sure. Sure. And, and <laughs> they rob you without a doubt. It happens to but me I, all the time. I get, and, and if I'm uh, exhausted and like, you know, you're on the road hungry. for a while or hungry, hangry, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am, I am more susceptible to it. L- little things will yes. happen. I mean, I did it on the road this weekend with Scott and I was like, Scott, this is kind of bothering me right now. Uh, I just, you know, it's just like, I just, you know, that's just, I've reached that, that moment and yep. it's just, you know, the, these things, it's, it's always lurking if you're not nourishing yourself in the that's right, right ways. Buddy, I was just talking about this because I was, I just, I'm seeing a physical trainer. I can't wait to tell people that's not true. Uh, but I, we <laughs> that were you're talking seeing about a phys- uh, trainer or that you can't wait to tell people. It's just embarrassing that I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to tell people that I'm seeing a physical trainer, but we were just today talking about this podcast and I was explaining a little bit about what it's about and cleaning up before you wake up. And sometimes, have you heard that expression? No. Like some people just want to jump to the spiritual. Okay. Bob and Peter talking about being present, Bob and Peter talking about when you're suffering, sometimes you're suffering an imagined future, like, or your imagined future is making your present moment way worse. That's right. Even in, even in 10 out of 10 nightmare suffering, you can slow down and drop and drop anchor into the present and, right. and deal with it. And that's biblical too. The, the, the concept of God, not giving you more than you can handle. That's right. Well, you, you might, you might build out, but if you slow down, but how do you do that? Often, you know, I think the fact that you're in a good relationship, for example, the fact that you're creatively fulfilled, the fact that you live in North Carolina, like that's no small thing <laughs> that you've decided to like live in a beautiful nature place, right? Yeah. Uh, the, that you have so much to be grateful for. The fact that you're meeting your needs, the fact that you have, what were the things that kept coming up in that story? Dolph, Scott, Seth, family, these, that's cleaning up. Like, before we jump to like, you can handle anything if you break it down into the moment. Sure. But that's going to make a lot more sense when you have your game a little tighter, yeah. like just your psychological game, your social game, even your professional creative game. That's, that's been one of the big breakthroughs for this. And then also on a small scale, maybe you need a, maybe you need a piece of pizza. Like maybe you're freaking out, you yeah. know, like maybe you need to regulate. Maybe, maybe someone needs to hug you. Maybe you need a weighted blanket. Maybe you need to sit down. Maybe you need to shut your eyes. Like I that's love, all cleaning. I up. love my weighted blanket. Buddy, get real. I'm under it. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as Leela goes down, uh, daddy's yeah. under that weighted blanket because it, because that's why in the story I kept going, who's holding you, who's touching you. Um, like that, that shit, matters. And you want to talk about distance between us, you know, like I'm already, we've had dinner before you and I and run into each other, but we do the human thing. We do the first class coach thing. We do the, how's your tour thing. And as you're telling me this story, my heart starts to crack open and you just want to, we're on a fucking space rock <laughs> and, and hold each other. And we're in these beautiful, but delicate Meat, I don't want to say meat suits, that's too crude, but we're in these these bodies. And whoa, the fact that any of us are fighting or arguing that's or ridiculous. mean or cruel or petty, it's a it's a joke. It's a it's a bad joke. We, we, is what we need is. to be united in our suffering. Like yeah. imagine running for office and being like, look, 
I've been through some stuff. I know you've been through some stuff. Why can't we just be united in all the awful stuff we've experienced in our lives? Yeah, because because yeah. I've lost you know a parent, and I I have a daughter who who has had cancer three times, and 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 we deal with all. And then I have her her brother who who you know needs needs care as well, and 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 uh, and we're just trying to figure this thing out. And man, what what's going on in your, in your life? Like like, did you lose yes. your job? Are you divorced? Like. You know, do you Bobby, have a disease? Bobby, yeah. This, 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 this. I'm not even interrupting. I just, no, it's like church. Yeah. I just want to say you this. Instead of doing what we do, which is hiding our suffering and acting like it's an error, uh, I'm all for, you know, I, I, that that might be getting too ahead of ourselves. It's like, it's a bridge. That that's the kind of person I am. It's like, show me yours. Uh, show me your suffering. I'll show you my suffering. There's a Mary Oliver poem where she says that it's like, uh, I believe it's wild geese. It is wild geese. And, and that is not the thing to turn away from. It's the glue. It's the closeness. It, as you, I heard you say in another interview, it removes that last bit of daylight between you and your brothers in the band. Yeah. yeah. We're, that's, we're, that's we're a great forged together by the fire, you know, that we experience and, but we were divided by all the, as I, I've been uh, doing a lot of reading and studying about the concert for Bangladesh and George Harrison would say that the tidal wave of bullshit and we are all just like caught, mm. you know, beneath the, the tidal wave of bullshit when, when the truth is that, that the things that unite us are, and I, it's such a, it's become such a cliche, but the things that unite us are greater and, and more important than the things that divide us. And messier and stickier and yeah. uglier and embarrassed. And that that's why I was like, how were you in the car? Because I, I, people grieving, people in shock, people Pete, for freaking weeks, out. I just would sob. I just sobbed. And every uh, uh, chaplain that would walk in, I'd be like, let's pray. You know, every person would like, let's pray, pray with me. And and I would, uh, uh, my wife's, um, mm. I don't want to get ahead here. Let, let me just tell you this. This is, this is the important thing. W- after my wife and I, at that moment, we look in each other's eyes and mm. all these family and friends had gathered to be with us in our moment of, of suffering. And they're all worried about Hallie. And um, I walk in the waiting room and without thinking, and this, I wasn't this guy before this moment. I said, can we pray? Mm. And we all held hands and I prayed to Jesus Christ. And that was like, you know, I was raised Catholic and, you know, I, but when I, my later teenage years, I, you know, was like, I'm Buddhist man, or I'm this or I'm that, or I'm, I'm like, let me make a religion that gives me the lifestyle that I would like to live. (laughs) And I can just make my, let me make my own, you know, like, let me take this from here and this from here, whatever. But, um, but this was like my moment of coming to faith. And it was, it was almost like there's that famous Abraham Lincoln quote that I'll probably butcher and it may be apocryphal, but he said, I found myself on my knees many times because I had nowhere else to go. And it was just this moment of, of something deep inside of me wanted to pray to God and needed God and needs God. And so from there on out, um, we were early Hallie was, you know, it was kind of thing where, okay, so the surgeon after, you know, and this is like probably two hours after that. So she's probably in surgery for six to eight hours. 
and we get you know led down this like i always say it was like a kubrick-esque hallway you know in the hospital to a a darkened um prep room like where like on monday morning for this was a sunday night so it was like it was like some fl- couple fluorescent li- fluorescent lights on um the rest of it was completely dark uh a lot of bays where you have like the curtains that would be drawn but they were all oh all the curtains were open there were very few gurneys in there and it was like just a big empty room half lit big empty room and the surgeon you know pulled up a chair and had us sit down and and i you know he's like you know so i cut into her head and all this stuff started coming out and it was a tumor really syrupy tumor and it was um i think i got 90 percent of it um but she had strokes uh and of course i said is she gonna make it okay like that thing you learn from watching hospital dramas your whole life you know yeah yeah and he's he said i don't know he said i don't know and so it became evident um in fact the next day you know here she is in the now she's sedated she's on fentanyl and everything else and uh, she's completely, her head's covered and her face is covered and she's intubated. She's got the ventilator in and he comes by like f- four o'clock the next afternoon, you know, before he's about to leave. And he said, you know, if, if you told me this time yesterday we'd be here, I'd say, okay, it's good. Mm. You know, this is a good place to be right now with this. Yeah, uh, but it was yeah. always, it became, and then as the pathology came in and it was like this they thought it was an appendomoma with a high-grade appendomoma and it's just a really deadly brain tumor that keeps coming back just keeps coming back and we know children who've passed from from these tumors um and at that point it was like well if she survives the trauma of the strokes and the the traumatic brain injury she suffered when she came in here she probably won't survive the cancer you know so we it got to the point where we were like man let's get through this part so we can fight the cancer like fighting the cancer seemed like a good mm. goal can we, the, re- the reward yeah you know the manageable thing the yeah. manage yeah the, the yeah the structure that that was our our life became so unstructured and like any sense of routine or um uh, cohesion was ripped away from us right mm-hmm. uh, that the idea of being on going through chemo or radiation, that was a routine. Yeah. You know? It's like a war instead of, uh, I'm not trying to be funny, but like, it's almost like Frogger. It's like you get hit by yeah. something coming or a war, like a war. Right. Now we can have a, a situation room. We can plan in this, we can that strategize, talk to different experts, not just crossing a, a crazy highway. Right. Yeah. And so well. every, every hour it came to breaking down the days to hours to minutes and mm. my wife's old boss brought um, their very Catholic family, and he and his wife brought us um, these like Catholic prayer books, right? And uh, the Avid's sister Bonnie, her who now plays piano with us in the band, mm. um, her husband Nick Reeney uh, gave me his grandfather's rosary, mm. and he said that his in a little note in there and it said um that his grandfather was this like big strong italian guy and uh he was afraid of flying and one time in his life he was on a plane sitting next to a nun and she gave him these rosaries and he was never afraid again 
And so, wow. so, so I began to pray the rosary like four times a day in Halloween. Which one, which prayer? Well, I would, if you go through the book, it, there's like the, like the oh. hours, it's like the hours, right? So it's the, the, um, part of the liturgy, you go through the weeks, you know, it's like the different, um, sufferings of Jesus, the different, what do they call okay. them? Um, but so it's the like, passions? no, the passion is like the, the, you know, the walk, um, to his death. Yeah. But they are called, oh, can we get a, can we get research on this? Um, <laughs> but, but so you'll, Katie, you'll Katie, pray Katie, like, yeah. you'll pray the finding him in the, finding him in the temple. Like that's one scene. Mm. Um, uh, the Immaculate Conception is another one where Mary meets with uh, Anna, John the Baptist's mm. mother, and Saint Anne. Anyway, is that's that sounds extra biblical to me. Is that in the Bible? Are you saying it's apocryphal? No, it's not. <laughs> it is not. In, it is not. A, it is not. It is not. Not in the Bible. It is not. Not in the Bible. You're saying it is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Yes. Uh, it's in Luke. Um, John the Baptist. Um, there was a connection between John the Baptist's mother and Mary. And John the oh, Baptist's okay. mother was much older. And um, they both got pregnant roughly around the same time. Okay. Okay. Then, yeah. It's, you know, I think about this, this, this. It's like no atheists in foxholes, obviously, right? Right. Um, Abraham Lincoln. Now, Bob Crawford, you're in the situation um, where, to to use your words, kind of, if I was in that situation, I would be throwing up wholehearted, old school, dear Jesus, or heavenly father, or in Jesus name, amen, all these different things. That's that's what you do. Um, that's what you have to do, right? I mean, there, there's no, there's no... There's no just floating around being like reality is a mystery. You you go straight to mercy. You go straight to petitioning right. and 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 pleading, right? Right. I, I, after all this, I'm wondering what your relationship to prayer is now. I, I know there are studies that prayer helps. There's like blind studies. Have you heard about these? Where I, I've pray heard, for but I haven't delved into them. I can tell you yeah. from my personal experience. Is when things are going well, excuse me. Uh, it's hard to pray, right? Like the the, the yeah. most important. Well, that's thing, a bit of a chestnut right there. Yeah, it's true. Um, I talked to someone a year after all when when things kind of like I left the band for a year, and um, you know, it was just because Hallie went through treatment, and and um. And I came back and then that was that next year was hard, right. To be on stage celebrating and stuff. And, mm. and like, talk, but you mentioned pants talking about pants. Like I'd be on the bus and these guys are talking about jeans, a hundred dollar jeans or whatever, 200, I don't know what, yeah, yeah. whatever. And I was like, oh. at first for a while, I was like, Oh, I was so much better. Well, you that. woke up, you, you can't go back, right? but you but, can't go back. But yeah. when you get some normalcy routine, a couple good year under your belt, you know those two hundred dollar jeans. Jeans come back like you. The the desire yeah. for the the comfort of of existence. 
you know, does and the come privilege, back. the privilege of being able to talk, by the way, privilege. Joe and I went to that gene place. I think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's in, I forget where we were, but we were in North Carolina right. and I have oh, Ra- Raleigh I I, Denim, not sponsored. Yeah. By, Raleigh not Denim. Sponsored by Raleigh Denim. That, no, no. In fact, decidedly not. Fuck you, Raleigh Denim. I'm just getting wonderful, wonderful pants. Um, but that is, that is, you were craving the normalcy. It's almost like, don't let me put words in your mouth, but there's almost a jealousy. It's like, must yeah. be nice to sit around just fucking farting about jeans right now. Right? Look, asshole. You know, my yeah. kid is blah, 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 blah. And yeah. you're blah, blah, talking about food and dinner and restaurants and jeans. Yeah. What yeah. the, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then, you know, you life gets, you know, I, I imagine myself coming back and like wearing black all the time and just be yeah. a quiet figure, you know, like, and, yeah. and, I, and I, you know, I, the, it's the habit of prayer. It's, it's a habit, right? Like, like what I find now is you go through periods where my prayer life is good and I'm flexing that muscle and I'm, you know, nourishing myself. Just like we talked about earlier, this is the same thing with therapy. It's all, it all is. Can I ask what uh, you mean? It all is self-care. Self-care, maintenance. Maintenance. If, if you're not, uh, if, if you're not flexing the prayer muscle, if, if, you know, it's not right. Like if you're a person of any, any faith, any faith, um, you don't, prayer shouldn't be a wish list, right? Well, that's what I was going to ask. We need, we need a definition of terms here. Right. When you're praying, is it more contemplative? Is it more silent? Is it more Sometimes. dropping at this moment? Tell me what prayer is for you. Okay. So a good friend of mine who's a pastor, a rule, he's a retired pastor now. He he said, you know, sometimes like he what he'll do is he'll have an index card and he'll write somebody's name on it. And he'll just he'll just think about them. You know, someone mm. he's praying for, he just thinks about them for a while. And then you know, then, you know, ask God, you know, and thanks God for this person and ask God for, for this person's needs to be met. And for the greatest prayer I learned, because I would go through the waves of being, um, like as things would happen, you know, how he had recurrences and, and I would get bitter, right. I would get really bitter. Like the genes thing, that's a great example or, you know, of, mm. of mm. my bit, my exhibiting my bitterness. Um, and he actually said to me one day when I was when her when she had her first recurrence, and I was like, I loved God, I didn't like people. I couldn't deal with people, but I was really faithful to God, which I got bad news for me. That's not right. <laughs> That's not how it works. Like you right. know, God created people. <laughs> like, you know, right. it's almost like you're saying, Well, I'm better than these people. Um, I think that's all from my theological perspective. That's like saying I like the ocean, but I don't like all these fucking glasses of water (laughs) sitting around me. Like the animating principle to me behind people, like who you really are from me, from my theological perspective is the divine indwelling. You and I are talking as Bob and Pete and that's fun. But the way that I can love you without knowing you is because I know deep down in our core, we're the same exact thing. What else really could we be? Right. Um, so that that's, but I struggle with people too. So if I always say, Jesus didn't say like your neighbor, he said, love your neighbor. So there's that's lots right. of people you can be like, this isn't for me. 
But I was raised believing that like, if you were a Christian, that meant you were to fake it. And I'm not saying it's not nice to be sweet. It is nice to be sweet. I'm saying, as Richard Rohr says, the -hmm. word nice is nowhere in the New Testament. We've turned it (laughs) something that's just kind of kind and social and good into the point when really the point is for us to figure out what exactly is the animating principle behind you as you tell me this story and behind me as I listen to it. And, And that's, that's where we can, you and I can merge even without suffering if yeah. we could have that sort of awakening. Yeah. Yeah. I love Richard Rohr. Like we, we, uh, we, we Avid people love Richard Rohr. We find <laughs> yeah. great, great nourishment in his, uh, in, in his, in him, in him. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the prayer that, um, that this, yeah, the, you were saying about the, prayer. Well, and this is, this is like what I, what I pray for other people. Yeah, he, he prayed for me, and it said, "Um, he said that that God meets you wherever you are. That you can mm-hmm. just feel the presence of God wherever you are. You know, in your bitterness, or you know, in your pain and joy, and anywhere. of course, I think that's such a key part of the Christ story is that he's in the in the uh, garden, and he's like, I don't want to do this. Yeah." But if we, it's it's again, these are the moments we would whitewash or sandblast out of the story is these moments of doubt or anger or fear. And I know people have different opinions on whether or not Jesus had those things. I, I tend to be in the camp that he did, that he was fully a person as well as fully divine. Um, but but those that's how you just how you and I relate over our suffering people say that it's Jesus's imperfection, meaning his suffering that makes him uh, like nobody likes Superman, really like Superman with the bullets bouncing off. We we actually respond and connect and bond way more to a broken. This is Richard Roy, by the way, a broken naked loser. That's what he calls Jesus. A loser (laughs) by social definitions. Of course, all of his friends turn their back. The government turns their back. He's murdered. He's betrayed. This is not, but we've turned it into the faith of winners for women, people and, uh, and the, and the hundred dollar jeans, nothing wrong with all of us having our hundred dollar jeans. That's fine. I'm just saying, don't, don't confuse the message. It's not, it's not just the winner's circle. In fact, the whole, I would say the whole, one of the, one of the founding principles of the faith is what you do with suffering and what suffering means and what suffering does to us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, for people, there's a lot of people out there who, who have problems with Christianity or, or the, the gospel, or, you know, you just got to allow for, I think people have trouble being in the mystery. Mm. Like be in the mystery, you know, people there, we are a very rational society. Well, we don't act rational, but, but we, we kind of like believe that we're so rational and we're so evolved that, you know, intellectually that, that, um, we can believe this or not believe this or, and if we don't believe, you know, whatever, I'm just like, this came up this weekend in a conversation and it's like, there's a great song by a folk singer, Iris Dement. Iris Dement, and it's let the mystery be. Mm. And I just, it's go look it up, people. Like it's, it's just, it's very reassuring. And and when you go to a Catholic mass, and look, we don't, we don't go. Our family doesn't go to mass. Like we haven't gone anywhere since COVID. But I mean, we we were attending non denominational, and that's that's where we belong. But my wife and I have great. And it's funny, my wife came to her Catholic affinity 
from the Church of Christ in North Carolina from a completely different place. Mm. But it's mm. like, but when you go to a Catholic mass, it's said like the mystery of faith, you know, like that's a, a big part of it. And that's right. Well, that's, that's a Richie Roy thing too. We've turned faith into the opposite. Faith is supposed to be your, your comfort level in the uncertainty. And we turned it into absolute certainty. Pardon the interruption, weirdos, back to the show in 60 seconds, but this show is brought to us by our friends at Trade Coffee. If you love drinking coffee every morning, like I do, like Val does, and who doesn't, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the very best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Going to a coffee shop is a great experience, but it's not something most of us can do every day. So if you're looking for that delicious local coffee shop taste on a daily basis, it is much easier to do and to get it with Trade Coffee. If you've been getting your coffee uh, from the grocery store and drinking the same coffee every day, I mean, mix it up, guys. Mix it up. It's time to try something even better with Trade. Trade Coffee makes it so easy to get fresh roasts delivered to your doorstep from local roasters around the country. They are a coffee subscription service, if you haven't put that together, that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home Every day, no fancy equipment required. Trade partners with some of the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses. That, my friends, is what we call a win-win. Whether you already know that what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make your coffee at home. So whether or not you're just getting started or you are a coffee aficionado looking to, to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. We like to do the whole bean because we like to experiment with the different types of grind to get the course for the French press or the fine. You do it different ways. But it's just so fun to know that you can introduce some novelty, some freshness, something exciting, and support local businesses while drinking the best coffee you've ever had in your life. So upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash weird. That's drinktrade.com slash weird for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Drinktrade.com slash weird. All right, everybody, let's get back to the show. Let's pick back up here. Yeah. I was excited. So I just went pee. And this conversation, man, I just want to say, it just gave me one of these like peas where my feet were on the ground. Does that make sense? I like guess I was so, walking. Yeah. I, I just meant it made me, it's making me more present. The, the, the gratitude uh, for life and for the present and for, and to think of beautiful things like people praying for people on note cards. Yeah. Sometimes that's the most overwhelming thing. I've seen you guys play many times and I'm not trying to shift to that. So let's yeah. talk about the edit. I'm just saying, one of the things that's beautiful about the Avitz show is you're like, wow, every person here could be punching someone in the face, but instead <laughs> they're singing and dancing and crying and, and, and pointing their awareness towards the same 
beautiful things almost talk about a mystery like that like there's yeah. a, like for me you know it's like we started out and it was you know we were all much younger and you know we were in a band and and all this like the the young man band dreams were still in play of like being in a band and it's just it's what you always <laughs> wanted to do since you were a teenager and you, you know you're doing it and and it, at some point not too far in it you had people who were our age, but bringing their parents, you know, and then those people brought their kids. And then Mm. that's when it began to just a few years into it, it just began to occur to me, like, this is unusual, like in the Mm. best possible way. Mm -hmm. And, and there is like Scott and Seth, they write incredible lyrics and they're beautiful and they're meaningful and people attach great meaning to them for their own lives. And that's, that's what makes music so spiritual like music is the great universal language it's yeah. the it's the ancient you know like if you imagine like hitting a uh tapping a um was it a gong or a bell that just rings and it you know people do all the time to clear their minds and to pray and this and that but like like that's it's the mystic chord of life right you talk about mm-hmm. leonard cohen uh um and and Beyond Scott and Seth's, um, their intentions with all their lyrics is honest and pure and genuine. That's why the Avett brothers, that's why the experience of coming to a show is what it is. That's why the music is what it is, because it's honest and raw and genuine. But I believe there is also a mystery associated with it. Like there's Mm -hmm. something, you know, like church. You know, like church. Are you not, crazy? You know, yes. You could go to see I mean, Bruce Springsteen, and that's like church too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. For, you know, but but I mean, there there is a there's a mystery. Like, the, why is music? Why does music touch us the way it does? All of us. Yeah. Somewhere deep inside, this is why I believe. Like, there are things that confirm faith for me, right? And accepting, I I first I accept the mystery premise like you if you can figure it out you haven't figured it out <laughs> like you know, <laughs> particularly with god and faith like if if i told you i knew exactly the the deal with god yeah, yeah. Um, i'm full of shit like i'm 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 lying to you because or selling me something i'm probably. selling you something because i know that this is bigger than me and mm-hmm. i think that music is connected somewhere with all of that that it's it is just amazing that someone can play that someone who does, I don't speak the same language to, or I can't understand can play an instrument and it can touch my soul and it can touch the soul of, of every person on the planet. Yeah, that's right. And it, but it's greater than the sum of its parts. And I, I don't know if you read Richie Richard Roy's book on the Trinity, but God is relationship itself, right? Why, why is it the, the triune God. It's because God, he says God is more of a verb than a noun mm-hmm. and it's, and it's built in relationship and people who listen to this podcast know I say this all the time. So when I said, are you kidding me? I, I just couldn't be agreeing more right. um, that an Avid brothers or a Springsteen show or a green day show. It can be like church right. in this beautiful way where the perform the, the, the instruments blend 
first and foremost, right? The rhythm section, which is like the heartbeat, blends with the bass, which is like the roots, blends with the, the violin or the fiddle, which is like the spirit. And then the human voice, there's something, there's something literally in the, in the creation story about the breath coming out. And, mm-hmm. and then now ideas, which are objects that we create with our mind are being implanted. And we're all having the same idea at the same time. So all of the members merge with their instruments all those instruments and, and members become something we call a band. They put on something we call a show. And then the, sh- the show merges with the audience. The, the audience also is individuals that merge into one thing right. called an audience. And the best shows, I know you know this feeling, are when the band and the audience merge into one. Well, that's absolutely key, right? The 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 audience sends the energy to the band. The band sends, receives that and sends the energy back to back. the audience. And then the audience yeah. sends it back to the band. And it's this, a, a concert is a constant, like, cause the audience, I think the audience touches, like starts, they light the, light the fuse. Cause they're mm. there to, to anticipating this experience that they're about to have. And then, so they're cheering cause then when, before the band comes on and I, I've been in the audience like before I played in a band, like going to concerts was, was my thing. You know, I went Mm -hmm, many mm -hmm. concerts and, and so you're so excited for the band to come on. And so you're cheering right before the, you know, when the, the tech comes on and, you know, the tunes, the bass or the guitar, and that just amps up the crowd Mm -hmm. more and more and more. And then the band, so you're, you send out the love and then the band comes out and then there's this like mutual greeting and then the band starts playing the song and they're sending, yeah, we hear you with the love. Here's here, take this, take some more of this. Mm-hmm, and then like mm-hmm. that, it just, that's how the, the night goes. And that is what was a room full or a stadium full of strangers becomes an Avett brothers concert. And that that's a transformation of sorts. I'll tell you one, let me say one more thing on this. Uh, sure. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the most amazing moment for me on stage is when we are doing a song, well, maybe it's just, you know, Scott or Seth doing a solo song, or maybe it's three of us up there doing a song and it's a very quiet song. And it's, you know, there's like Miles Davis would talk about the space between the music, right? You know, uh, when it's that moment in the song where it's absolutely quiet, where the, there's a break in the music and then the audience is absolutely quiet, hushed. And it's that moment of just like silence in the middle of this whole thing. Like that is just the most incredible. Like that's the loudest noise. And it's just great. Mm. So powerful. The emptiness. Yes. I, because I think what a lot of us are looking for, whether we're going to see the Top Gun or going to see, you could call it, or see you guys play. You could call it escapism, um, that would be putting it down. I think, I think at, at a concert, let's say what you're escaping is your story, which is constantly changing. So it's not the realest part of you, but in that silence, just for a moment, that, which is essential to all of us and shared in all of us gets to be quiet, loud, including you guys, right? I mean, that stillness is a whole space, W-H-O-L-E. It's a whole space. Right. Instead of the noise of, of even you and I talking right now, we're telling our stories and maybe you relate, maybe you don't relate, but it's these moments in between where it's like, 
It's the white part on the page. That that's where we all are. Or Scott, Scott would say in in uh, in terms of of fine art and paintings, negative space. Yeah, the need for negative space. That's it. So let's talk a little bit about your theology. I I blabbed a little bit about the ocean and the glasses of water. That that sort of leans towards my. Um, I don't even want to talk more about mine. I'm interested in where you are in that faith. And, and we've talked a little bit about how suffering ignited it, how suffering enriches it, mm. how here's another Richard Rohr human beings don't change unless things stop going their way. I mean, why would you change if things are going away? He actually prays for one humiliation a day. Um, I I've uh, sort of stagnated. I haven't been reading, um, my spiritual texts and stuff. This is going to sound like a joke. I had like a weird call with my mother this weekend and I was like, perfect. Cause it was uncomfortable. It was like this uncomfortable <laughs> chat. And I hung up the phone and I was reading about suffering and I had, a, I had something to latch into. I had a, a, a feeling that could, um, you said, light the fuse, light the fuse on the idea. Otherwise it's just sort of, and God said the thought, but when we're hurting, it kind of makes it stickier in, we're but ready. I'd love to know everything. Right. It makes we're, us ready. We're, we're like, we're, we got the ears on, like we're, it, it humbles us. It opens us, right? We got the ears on is beautiful. I love that. So why don't you tell me just a little bit about it? What are, what are some of the things, the mystery of it? When I went PP, I was going to tell you, um, <laughs> God is the name of the blanket we put over the mystery to give it shape, which is one of my favorite quotes uh, that it's not about certainty. That's what the ego wants. I want to know what God is. So then I can tell you that you're wrong and we're right. And <laughs> we're in and you're out and all that sort of stuff. That's an ego trip. But when I say that God, the reason I believe in God, hold on to God, you play with God is because God as an idea, as a, as a, as a symbol, as a metaphor is my way of participating with the mystery. It's my way of giving it a shape with the blanket. Right. Um, so let's start there. Old man in the sky. Fine. If you do have an old man in the sky, tell me, tell me the <laughs> images, tell me the, the quotes, tell me the, the ways that you land on this thing that is so nebulous that so many people just turn away from it. Yeah. Well, I think that the ultimate, right. Like I think when I pass um, to get, I'll just jump right to, we you know, Cloud world where you're playing ping pong table with your grandfather who looks exactly like he looked the day he passed away. Yeah. You know, I, I love, I do love that idea. I do love that idea, but, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's you, you, you go to God because you become united with that energy. Yeah. You know, you become united and it, and it, but it feels like that. Like it feels like all the love that you've felt in your life, and everyone that you've loved, and all the people that loved you, you you do see them because you are you're all merged. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I the more I study, and even the further out things I do, the more I'm like the traditional understanding of heaven: ping pong with your grandpa. George Harrison looks said exactly. This. He looks exactly like he looks. Well, like he <laughs> I, I would take issue with that being literally true. I'm, I'm saying, but like, that's what you kind of think at one point. Oh, that's what I thought at one point. No, of course. But George Harrison says this too in, in the documentary, the two part documentary. He's like, 
the further you go, you you start this journey away from old man in the sky, ping pong with grandpa who looks exactly like he does. And then by the time you're through the journey, you've come full circle and realize that it, all of it is true and all of it is not true. Meaning, in my, from my perspective, uh, the afterlife, heaven, the merging into the essence of all potential means the essence of all potential, meaning that too, meaning that too, meaning that too. I've even had some psychedelic experiences where I'm like, were you Bob there? No, but yes, <laughs> you were there. It's like Dorothy waking up. You were a part of that because I went into the all. Everything was there. Every cat's whisker that's ever been born was there. And at the same time, did I see a single cat? At, no, not, not literally. But the metaphor of Cloud City, every cat and Bob's there works pretty good for our limited, constricted brain. Yeah, well, and as I don't know if Harrison said this in the in the documentary that you're referring to, but I believe there's a on YouTube there's a 1997 interview on VH1, mm. and he man I can't believe it's on VH1 because he is just talking some serious truth, and mm. he says, um, you know, we're playing roles like you know right now you're whoever and I'm I'm George and you're whoever, but but we're all just, we're all just the same. <laughs> we're all, yeah. Know, just, just right now at this moment, we're, th these are our masks and, and these are the roles we're playing. And um, that's right. My, my, my personal, you know, you talk about Richard Rohr, uh, a lecture, and I don't think it's a book. It's a lecture that has been really, um, important to me is true self, false self. Okay, Which, so you're the first you're the first guest to bring it up before I did. I've listened to True Self, False Self through all the way through three times. I, I'm obsessed with it. And I you, always go back to it when I'm right. when I'm feeling and off. it is like that. Like uh -huh. um James Finley. Uh mm. James Finley, who is is in New Mexico with the center. Okay. Free action and, and, and contemplation. Um, and Scott told me he said this. He said that uh you should just really really need to read one book. If you have a book that speaks to you, just read that one over and over again. Mm. And like, and that's that's kind of like, it's good to go back to that on a yearly basis. True self, false. I self. agree. I and, feel that way about that one and Power of Now. But yes, absolutely. You mean, but it's an audio. It's for people interested. It's, it's on, on Audible. Yeah, yeah. I it's also an Audible. Okay, I, I believe that's where I have it. Okay, and, and it seems to be a lecture, like a weekend retreat. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not and, a book. Yeah. And the deeper you get, you know, you read some Richard Rohr books, then you realize that, you know, he's talking about Thomas Merton, like he's really connected to what Thomas Merton was was thinking, and his mm -hmm. thinking. So then, you know, you listen. There's there's great um, lectures. Thomas Merton taught at the Gethsemane, which is a, a monastery, I guess, uh, in Kentucky, and you can on audible as well you can find his like his teach he's teaching the young what do you call them abbots monks i don't know i don't know he's, wait there's he's, audio of him teaching oh a lot of them yeah yeah really i didn't oh, know great. that yeah he's got photographs of presidents and and merton teaching i did yes, not know that yes uh so th they're really great but but, but um, you, sorry no no just by, by far and if you said well what is the and i like yeah, man, he's got he's getting a hard time on Twitter. This guy, Tim Keller, who I love, and I still love. 
And I don't know why he gets a hard time. You know, he gets really harassed on Twitter these days. Um, mm. And I don't spend too much time investigating why, because because he means a lot to me. His sermons, uh, I listen to his, and you can also on iTunes listen to his, his sermons. It's gospel and life. Um, maybe more conservative, uh, maybe a little more traditional than Richard Rohr in a lot of ways, mm. but um, but intellectually, uh, he he can explain the faith to a non-believer, I think, better than than anyone else. Really? Wow. And I, I found great comfort in his sermons. Uh, great comfort. And, the, and these are true self, false self. So the essence of true self, which we sort of hinted at with George Harrison, is that you are for lack of a better word, and that this all of this is for lack of a better word, right. the Tao that can be named is not the real Tao. You are your awareness. You are not your thoughts. You are the witnessing presence that's observing your thoughts. And around those thoughts, you've built a persona. You call yours Bob. I call right. mine Pete. Um, but like, if we lived forever and I took you, Bob, to another planet, and on that planet, something about the atmosphere changed your body into a blob, a blob of blue goo. And we started calling the blob of blue goo. Funny that it's a bob of blue goo, blob of blue goo. If we started calling that blob um, Harriet uh, and, and you live for six million years on this other planet because you don't die on this planet. At, at certainly after maybe a thousand years, you would completely forget that you ever were Bob Crawford on the planet Earth. So what the point of that thought experiment is the witnessing presence that is kind of taking the amalgamation of the thing that you call yourself, this construct, your history, your past. Well, I'm a musician. I played in this band. I'm a Southern person. All that. I like this. I like that. Well, now you're a fucking blob, dude, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yet same blob, thing, different day. That's right. There you go. And the essence, the animating principle of that blob is the same thing that animated Bob. So what you are isn't what you think you are. The Buddhists say they have two things. They go, who am I? Which is a great thing to sit and say, who am I? And we're not talking about I'm Bob. I'm from the South. I'm saying, who am I? When you say I, what do I mean? And then they follow that up with who's asking, which is just if the first one doesn't bake your noodle, which it doesn't, for a lot of people, because you'll go, I'm Pete, I'm a six foot six Lithuanian. You have all these answers. You go, who's asking? Who's asking in that quiet, weird, echoey, dark, staticky filled khaki sandstorm behind your eyes? You say, who am I? Who is asking? Who's asking? That's it. That's the whole, that's true self, false self. So Richard says, Richard Rohr says, the primary folk, uh, the point of spirituality, of religion, is to get you to identify and get you in relationship to your true self, to, to know who you are, we would say in Christian language, in God, who you are in God, um, by the way, which is the point of almost every fairy tale, including Harry Potter. I like to point out Harry Potter is from special blood, royal blood. That's all the story that you're from something greater and something mysterious, something way bigger than your sad British family. You're from Hogwarts. Why do we tell that story over and over and over? It's because it's your story. It's everybody's story is what Merton and Roar and all these people are trying to say is wake up. You're not Harry Potter, the, the dweeby thing. You're Harry Potter, the wizard, and, and you have a birthright. That, you're that's the beloved. The whole thing. You are the beloved. You're the beloved. 
Yes. And it's better than laser beams and Petronius conspucto. It, 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 it's your beloved. You belong. Your trust of God is, well, let me put it to this. I, I would say because who you are deep down is, is divine. I would say when you die, you're, you're actually going in rather than going out. You're going, it was there the whole time. I think you and I will go when we're, when we're there, we'll go, it was there the whole time. And I, I don't know if we'll actually be there as separate entities, but we'll realize it will have been there the whole time. Does that jive with you? Yeah. Yeah, that does. It does. Yeah. It's more of a falling away than, uh, than yes. uh, 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 coming to, I guess is the way. Right. We're right. thinking about Henry Nowen. Have you ever read Henry Nowen? No, a lot of names was, I'm getting. He was a great, um, was he Catholic? I don't know if he was Catholic, but um, he spent a lot of time working with special needs individuals. But um, he has a sermon, mm. he talks about the beloved, and it's the, you know, it's like that moment where Jesus is baptized uh, by John and the dove comes and lands, you know, on his head, and, and God says, You are my beloved. You know, mm. And that's who we all, we are all the beloved. We are all, you know, cho- we are all chosen by God. Like we are that's all right. chosen by God. That yeah. was, that's a big Richard thing is that I grew up in a church that worshiped, nothing wrong with worshiping, but like worship Jesus instead of realizing that he was uh, demonstrating, he was modeling what a human life is to be. And we're all to wake up in this life, not, not just later, but now that's a Richard Rohr thing too. He goes, it's heaven all the way to heaven. Uh, that, that you're supposed to have this realization here and now, and there's no other time to have it, but here and now. And then, of course, everybody knows I'm going to bring this up, the prodigal son, which as I always say, is Jesus's closer. It's the most agreed upon. <laughs> yes. it, it, what, do you, what do you guys, what's your second encore these days? Oh, oh, you know, um, uh, well, we, oh, no hard feelings every night. No hard. Wow. That's our prodigal Speaking son. Of, that's it. Yes. That's our and prodigal that, son. That yeah. song is uh, just, if you guys haven't heard no hard feelings, that's exactly what we're talking about. It's, it even addresses the infinite potentials that it is running into Jesus in the sky and it is going into a snow or a rainstorm. It's, it's all of that. Yeah. Um, it's just a masterpiece of a song. Um, but the prodigal son, Jesus's closer, <laughs> is to me, it's like you, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. That's the punchline. So the father who's the stand in for God says to the son who thinks he's a fuck up, he says, no matter what you're doing, I was there the whole time. We were, we were never separate. We can't be separate. The whole thing was just a, a ruse anyway. Let's have a party. You know, that that's one of um, Scott produced a song about Roger Ebert's last words. Have you heard that song? I don't know. Scott produced it. He sent it what, to what me. Is it? Forgive me. I can't. It goes. Uh, it's all an elaborate hoax. Those were Roger Ebert's last words. So but he said it with joy. Yeah, this this is the realization of the true self. There's a there's a laying down of a burden when you go, it's a hoax. There's a sad, scary way to say this was a hoax. There's also a beautiful, that's what my daughter's name means, by the way. Leela means the play of the universe. You could say the hoax of the universe. I like play or the dance, but it's a way of saying like, Bob, to you right now, I'm saying it's a, it's a Leela. It's a Leela. It's all for its own sake. It's all for its own evolution and growth and play and dance and exploration and and look at all of the things that that grow it's the buddhist thing 
the the lotus flower grows in the in the mud you know what i mean yeah that's the birth the death the resurrection that we're in but the human ego just wants growth it's like it corporations wants- we just want growth we just want winning and, and we then have the to whole keep thing- winning like and how can yes. you just keep winning you can't keep winning you can't yeah that's right that's that's the whole thing and that's why the the mascot for the christian faith is nailed to a cross that's the whole point is like look at it there has to be a different game being played it can't just be does bob crawford win does bob have a gold toilet does pete have a gold toilet get the i you know when we were shooting crashing we would sometimes shoot in like 11 million dollar penthouse apartments and i was like buddy everybody's pooping everybody's sleeping, everybody's eating, everybody's watching TV, everybody for the most part. Yeah. What I'm saying is it ain't there. It's one of my favorite Jesus things. Don't lay up your treasure where, where moth and dust and rust can corrupt it. Get better treasure. Otherwise you just have a $70,000 TV, dude. Like congratulations like like not see you in hell but like you're still on fire right <laughs> you're still on fire i don't mean hellfire i mean it's still written on running water it's nowhere it's right. nothing and it's nowhere so there needs to be a, a, a deeper dimension and that's what spirituality has offered me yeah th- it this offers is, me well this is like we to continue the richard Rohr line of thinking is falling upward and the yes. idea that that the first part of life you know, it's about achieving, collecting, and uh, and getting comfortable. And then the yeah. second part of and life building is a about container, building yeah. a container. Second part of life is about getting rid of it all and shedding it yeah. and forgetting it and putting it aside. I talked to someone to get back to my daughter for a moment because I think this is really relevant. I actually, was getting my hair cut today, and the guy that's cutting my hair, he has his sister's special needs, and so we connected on that. And I said, you know, and he was also kind of revealed to me his faith. And um, I said, you know, when like we, you and I, you know, we're always trying to achieve. Like we're we're just like from an early age, you got to get good grades, and you got to be a success, and you got to make money, and you got to you know buy a nice car, or buy a mm-hmm. house, or and you're just completely even. Even now, it's like I want to do this podcast, and I'm going to do this thing with Sirius XM. Yeah. I'm going to go do that, and we're well, we're going to yeah. record a record. And I just want to do, I want to do, I want to be, I want to be. My daughter, she's in a wheelchair. She doesn't use her left hand. You know, she, her, her, her success is existing, mm. like living, like, like she did the most. Ba- she's achieved the most badass thing you can imagine. She survived three brain tumors. Mm. And she's got the scars to prove it. And, and she's like our egos, me, you know, your ego, my ego. Um, she's free of that. I mean, she's not, it's not that she doesn't have yeah. an ego. No, I understand. She does, but that, that life goal of being and doing, mm. like she doesn't have that burden. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she, She's you can twelve years old. She's you know she's more like a she's in prince. She'll be in princesses forever, you know. Mm. <laughs> you know, God willing. But but she feels music just like so intensely, and she's so joyful and so happy. Not all the time, most of the time. Um, yes. And uh, 
so she teaches me, right? Mm. See, of course. See, because if, if I want, if I think about Hallie, the Hallie I want, I'm, I'm going to be angry and bitter and forever, and I'm going to burden her, right? But if I can get, get into Hallie's world and see the world the way she sees it, mm. that's a good place to be. That's like, that's the place to be, right? And I, this is a tension, right? Because no matter how much you're like, yes. I accept what has happened and I accept her as she is. There are times when you're just like, Hallie, would you get in that stander? Can we get, can we like, you know, do we need to put your arm in a cast to straighten out your left wrist? And, you know, all mm. these things that we do to her. Um, uh, and we just, and, and, you know, we want her to learn and we want her to be all she can be. But, but also accepting who she is and seeing ourselves in that. Um, seeing it as being a gift, you know, a gift, a gift, right? She's the gift. She's the teacher. Yeah. Bobby, you're a delicious sandwich. Well, one, one last thing. One, one last bite. Oh, here. I'm not wrapping on, on this. Oh, but on this, on this, to, I just on wanted Hallie. to call you a delicious sandwich. <laughs> before, but, but before I, I forget, uh, hopefully with spicy mustard too. I love, like, of course, golden spicy me? mustard. Um, oh my God. Uh, when, you know, my my wife, like I'm gone a lot and my wife is doing a lot of the bathing. Like the work of Hallie is is getting her in the bath, getting her out of the bath, getting her mm-hmm. dressed, giving her medicine. She doesn't sleep. Like she needs to be turned. You and I, we like turn ourselves over at night. How many? We don't even know how many times. She'll get into a position and call out because she needs you to put her back in the place that she wants to be. So wow. it is a very physically demanding uh, you know, caregiving, it's very physically demanding, but, but the nights that I'm getting her dressed, you know, um, I'm putting on her socks, putting her PJs. And I I have, I've had this thought many times and I've had it like where, like you want to, we can talk about reading Richard Rohr or reading scripture. Um, but, but when do we experience God? Like, when are we, when are we feeling it? Like, like that's the that's the mystery, right? Like like we want to get to where we're feeling it because I can talk to you about the prodigal son and what I learned about Luke, uh, you know, chapter two or chapter four, and then I can go out and get in line at Starbucks and curse somebody out for whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I can have these like mm-hmm. human, of course, really frail, ugly human moment. I'm very capable of those as much as anybody else. Of course, else Bob. But, yes, but it's when you feel God. And one of the times that I feel God have felt God repeatedly is like getting her dressed. And it's like, mm. you know, she can't get herself dressed. And so it's like, the, this is caregiving. Right. And I think, man, this is what God wants us to do. Like, this is mm. it right here. This is how he wants us to love each other, like to care mm. for each other. Like the idea of like, you know, mm. just like, I think people feel this like with elderly parents more than with their children, you know? You get your kids to the age when they can dress themselves, and that part of it for you is done. <laughs> like there's plenty hmm. of work to do, but that part's done. But, but a lot of people get to where they have an elderly parent, and then they're getting that person dressed or getting cleaning up that person, you know, changing that person's diaper. Mm-hmm. And you know, we experience this with our daughter on a daily basis, and and it's not lost on me, and I'm sure on my wife that that this is this is what God this is a beautiful thing to do. Like, I wish I didn't have to do it. Like, I wish this mm-hmm. wasn't the reality, but, but I think, you know, it being the reality, you know, there's something sacred about it. 
Yeah. And you, oh, Bob, see, beautiful sandwich with spicy mustard. So it's in Taoism, uh, or, or it might be Chinese then, but I'm pretty sure it's Taoism, um, although it references the Tao. Yeah. The great way, so merging with God, is not difficult for those who have no preferences. So the Bob who isn't thinking about the life he wanted or this or the way it could have been, who's just doing what's happening, you you merge into what Christians would call the kingdom of heaven, what they would call the Tao. The kingdom uh, what of God you, is within you. Kingdom of God, exactly, precisely. Richard also, he talks about that. He's like, this is a big thing in the in the West is we think conversion is an intellectual experience that you and I can like talk our way there. But really it's always an accident. It's always you changing a child that may not want to be changed or bathing a child that's getting heavier every year or whatever it might be. The, the, the joke is we practice to become as accident prone as possible. I love that line. <laughs> but my favorite, and everybody knows I'm going to say this because it's my favorite Bible verses, and I always say it in the King James, I don't know why, but lest ye become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which which we mean here and now. So of course, I, I felt that way about my, I, I still feel that way about my daughter. She's splashing in the tub. She's right. She's, <laughs> she's with a, a slippery, bubbly, warm, fluid substance that none of us understand. You and I are no closer to understanding water just because I know it's two hydrogen molecules and one oxygen molecule. That means dick. That that means a lot if, if you and I are trying to recreate it in a lab and build something. I understand it has its value. But I mean, in the big picture, that is a mystery. That is a swarm of atoms, and we don't understand what's going on. And 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 she is right to play in it. And your daughter is right. And these teachings are so precious, but you know, uh, us, us grown men would rather sit around and, and talk about the truth when the right. truth is always so much more naked, so much sillier, more playful, more vulnerable, um, all of the things, then it's not neat in the container. That's what this, that's why I went and had a nice present pee is because you reminded <laughs> me that like, it's outside the lines as much as we want to think we know what's going on today is Monday and it's 2022 and all that stuff. It's, it's outside the lines and, and the profound truth is always going to hit us from the side when we're least expecting it. Cause I've, I've had those 4am rocking Leela and I'm like, Oh, Oh, wow. Here it is. Yeah. And it always happens when I stop fighting it. Yeah. Cause you can be like, uh, Oh, I just want to go to bed. Wow. Allie, why don't you go yeah. to sleep or, you know, Oh yeah. gosh, she keeps getting up and, had those moments i've had those moments of course you have the you know like thank you god thank you this is beautiful she's beautiful well buddy sorry i have to my biggest life hack is saying yes thank you everyone knows i say this all the time but leela's been sleeping kind of rough lately and, and we've been getting up in the middle of the night i got up in the middle of the night last night and I, I've gotten pretty good. I'll say yes, thank you before I'm even out of the bed. Like it, it's become a habit and your brain has no idea what to do with that. It yeah. completely shifts you uh, to thank, thank everything or God for what's happening. And your brain just goes like, well, fuck, I was going to get all worked up. <laughs> you, you asked me where prayer is, where I am now in my prayer life, right? Because that 
that ebbs and flows, right? And I noticed past week I was on tour last week and and I was nowhere in my prayer life. Like I take all these like theology books or like little prayer books, the Catholic, mm-hmm. like I still have these Catholic prayer and I take them and sometimes I don't crack them, you know, I don't look yeah, at them. Of right? course. And, uh, but one thing I've been really good at is at some point in the day, just when it strikes me, it's like, Jesus, I trust in you. Into mm. myself, I say that. I repeat that, like almost like a mantra. And or if I'm stressed out, or if I'm worried, or if I have a troubled thought, um, or if I feel little, if I feel small, if I've done something or said something that, man, when I say that, when I do that, I'd say, Jesus, I trust in you. And that's mm. that's a prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's a grounding and powerful one that transforms you in real time. That That's exactly right. Yes, thank you is a prayer. And it's the prayer I say the most. Why? Because I, I I do affirmations in the morning. I write them out and I, I write, I trust the flow. I trust God. I trust myself, but I put capital S self. And there's a real, it's not ego. It's not going, I'm God, because I'm not running the show. But when you realize who you are, deepest, deepest, deepest is God, you're like trusting all of this, even trusting your own death is trusting yourself like who you really are is at the center of all of this. That takes away all of that Freudian, angry dad, drunk dad, God, who can't wait to hit you with a belt because you're a bad boy. All of that psychology gets mixed up. And this is Richard too. We end up making a God that looks like us instead of a God, instead of the other way around, we should be trying to look like God, which is what diverse, self-sustaining, yes, ending, nurturing, growing, spread, you know, all of that stuff that you see in nature and we make it like our drunk dads and you can't blame us. It's such a heavy wound. (laughs) Well, that's, that just goes along with this idea that, that, um, well, you know, we, we could have, if like, I just, we could have had started a game like every time, you know, every time we say George Harrison, you eat a cookie or do a shot or something like that, because mm-hmm. um, again, in one of these interviews, I, I, I saw George Harrison says like, uh, why aren't we talking about death? Why aren't we practicing death? Mm. We don't want to talk about it. No one wants to talk about it. And it's like, that's the, the, the idea of like that, those affirmations you make in the morning and, or the prayer I, I say in the middle of the day, if we can make those meaningful habits like not you know some sometimes you just got to go through it i think i think the goal that i'd like to get to is where my prayer habit is almost um it's second nature and it's like brushing your teeth right because i mm. like i i slip and you lose that maintenance and i think it, you part of it is building up this muscle memory so when when the shit goes down you've got somewhere that's to right. go you got somewhere to go that that's familiar you know mm-hmm. and um i think like if we take that, we talked about being present, being like the key in in surviving tragedy or experiencing joy. Being present is the key. If you're present, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy the ping pong game, and mm. and you're gonna be able to to deal with getting receiving the worst news of your life. You know, mm. if you can be present, and and you will be death will be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's As what Robert Harrison was trying to tell us. Just another moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. It's, it's, uh, I'm looking at Ram Dass right now. He's on my desk. Uh, not, not in the astral plane. There's a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> but 
the denial of death. He, he talks about when you stop denying death, it frees up all that unconscious energy that you are using to push it away. And it allows you and imbues the present moment with all of this joy that other would have been otherwise would have been used to suppress these inevitable things. It's not an error. It's, it's not a, it's not a mistake. It, it's, it's, it's what we're here to do. It's, it's what we're light, dark life, death, all this stuff. It's all happening. It's all beautiful. Let's, let's get you out of here. Cause I've taken a lot of your time, but with a couple of fun questions, are you okay. okay with that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, great. Um, I, I also want to say, man, I, I really needed this. <laughs> I needed this chat today. Now, not every day is, am I in the mood in this, like we were saying, this one fed me. So I'm really glad that oh, we had awesome. this time today. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Um, have you ever almost died? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was in a, <laughs> yeah, I was in a, a car accident when I was young and uh, oh, wow. somebody was driving and flipped a, the car and it spun <laughs> on the hood, but we were all unscathed. What? What do you remember of it? Did you were you I remember the whole time? Uh, yeah, I remember t- trying to tell the person to slow down. And I remember the car turning. I remember all of it. Wow. And I remember being in the the car with it spinning on the hood and I remember us, you know, being okay. And, wow. Yeah. Are, are and you then still probably with the guy driving? <laughs> no, no. no. Was it over after that day? It never was the same again. Yeah. Yeah. It never was the same again. And we were young. Um, uh, but many people young, like we were in similar situations did not survive that, you know, survive yeah. things like that. So yeah, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was really miraculous. And then, um, there are probably like not millions of them, but it's probably, probably had some pretty close calls. I can't, that's the one that mm-hmm. you say, and well, I can remember it, but if I, tonight I'll probably remember six or seven other. No, you know, it's funny that our conversation before this is one of the reasons I like asking that it's an interesting yeah. thing to kind of contemplate and think about. Tell me a name droppy story. Uh, I know you work with so many incredible yeah. uh, musicians. You were telling me you're about to open for Ringo in Boston. Oh yeah. Tell me, First of all, what's wrong with name name like pe- people have re- like people and I it. used to be like they're named, but then I thought about it and I was talking to a friend and talking about another friend and the friend said, well, he's really name droppy, talking about mm. our mutual friend. And I was like, I was like, but he's he really cares about you and he's a great guy and and yeah. that made me that led me led me to 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 the kind of like really ponder so like is there anything really wrong with name dropping like. What, it's what when you're what, using it to be like, I know them, so I'm right. important. Your but ego, who cares? But if, if you're yeah. like, holy, holy crap, like we were having lunch, dinner, and Ringo Starr walked up to our picnic table. Yeah, that's a great like, story. I, that's, you know, it was really cool. That was, that was a really cool experience. And, you know, when you get in a band or like you must experience this, like with what you do for a living, you have experiences like these experiences like this. And then like... I got to the point where I wouldn't tell anybody about them. Like Mm. we can only talk about them in the band or someone like you, like friends of mine who also experienced those experiences on a, 
on an, I want to say for, regular basis, but for fear of jealousy or that you'll sound like, you a sound like a name dropper person. Yeah. Like a name dropper. <laughs> right. Or also just be like my life. Well, I saw you guys at the bowl and David Crosby was backstage. I remember seeing it him, comes. And that I was like, picture comes up on my phone all the time. I never posted it, but you know how really? like, your phone sends you yep, pictures and stuff. That yep. was me, him and me, David Crosby and Seth. Like there's a picture wow. we took and I'm like, that was so awesome. <laughs> like, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, but does any stick out? Go ahead. Well, one time uh, we played Jimmy Kimmel live and um, we, I think I might've been we, there. We, for we this. rode back uh, uh, this, this woman Val rode back with us in our, in our van. Uh, and um, we had dinner with, with Pete Holmes. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Somewhere in LA. And I was like, I, I almost ruined it by Holmes. being like, I, I ruined it. I was there. Is. Wait, Bob, I was there for that. That is so funny. What a yeah. great and hilarious and gracious answer. Um, have, you haven't done the, the uh, Ringo shows yet, or have you? We did this weekend. Yeah. And what is he like? Is he still enjoying he is it? 81 or 82 and does jumping jacks. He is light on his feet. Um, he, he, I mean, he runs out on stage, and he runs wow. off the stage, and he and he plays drums like, like he's twenty five. Wow! He, it's it's a, uh, it is exciting to watch him to say that this is possible. This yeah, is possible, right. and he exudes gratitude mm. and joy, and you sense that. And I know he's been through a lot of a lot of tough things. And you, I just sense that like whatever, cause again, with the Beatles, like they were the only four people experienced that and it was isolating and it was difficult. You know, it was a a blessing, but it was also a curse. And they all, they all had things they had to go through in their life after Mm -hmm. that. And, um, he is, strikes me as being, uh, reconciled with it and grateful for it. And he, I sense he feels blessed to be doing what he's doing today. So he, he exudes something beautiful. Mm. Do they play Octopus's Garden? Uh, in the set, I don't think they <laughs> actually played it in the set. So it's all stars. So it's like Colin oh. Hay from Men at Work plays one guitar. Yeah. The yeah. great Steve Lukather, who was in Toto, plays the other, like probably one of the wow. greatest guitar players in the history of music, this guy, he, Thriller album, like Toto was the band for the Thriller album. Like we can't forget that. Like Toto wrote you. I never Nature. knew that. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, incredible. But just uh, so so they do like Hold the Line, Rosanna, and Africa, and they do um, the bass player for the Average White Band. So they do one of those great funky instrumentals. Um, is it Edgar Winter plays the piano? Johnny Winter passed, mm. played guitar. I think Edward, Edgar Winter plays the piano. I, if I get that wrong, I'm so sorry. But so they do Free Ride, <laughs> which everybody knows Free Ride. Yeah, of course. Um, Frankenstein, that great instrumental, Frankenstein. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, okay. So it's a great show. It's like the greatest cover band. And then Ringo does like photograph and the encores uh, with a little help from your friends. And, and we all, we got wow. to go up there and sing, you know, and wow. it, was just, it was, you know, I'm convinced like we've not won a Grammy. Um, uh, we've won like 
some other awards, but but like I think no matter how many records we sell, no matter what we achieve as the Ava Brothers, the most cherished memories will be, I'm going to name drop, being on stage with Bob Dylan at the Grammys, you know, recording with Rick Rubin, uh, being on stage with Bob Weir, being on stage with Ringo, like these like little things that don't make or break you, but they are the icing on the cake. They're just the, they're the beautiful mm. moments that, that you just cherish. Yeah. Oh, what a great answer. Um, let me see. I think we're, we're there. Last question. Can you tell me a time in your life when you laughed really, 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 really hard? Maybe you were a little kid. Maybe someone fell down. Maybe someone farted. These are the prompts I give. Well, it doesn't I have got, to be a great or a classy story. I'm just no. This, this, so, so um, my son's he'll turn eleven tomorrow, and I have great memories from being that age or around about there. And you get a best friend, like that's kind of when you get a best friend, you know. Yep. And um, having your friend come over your house and you're just the funniest, the stupidest thing makes you laugh mm-hmm. to where you're crying and you got snot coming out of your nose and you can't catch mm-hmm. your breath. And so I have like moments, memories of, of those things like that. And then like, but similar to that, when, when we started the band, um, Scott was, was dating his, his now wife in Greenville, North Carolina. And so we would play there frequently. And often the end, the week ended with, with me and Seth driving back together. And we would drive in my in my truck, my Toyota Tacoma pickup truck, and we would just it was that that adolescent humor that yep. we would just come up with things and we would just be laughing so hard that we were crying. And we of experienced course. a little bit of that this weekend. And um to be, you know, and and that so so I won't I can't say a specific moment. I can think of many moments. No, you're talking it's, about it's all road, that friendly, feeling, yeah. like that yeah, feeling yeah. of just like this is so stupid, but for some reason, this is where my humor is. This is this, this is, is where my this humor is lives. one of the things that makes me grateful because when I'm touring and I'm with an opener and we're laughing, there's a parallel to those sleepovers you had when you yes. were your son's age. And that is something to be Ringo Star level grateful for. What a cool answer. I love that. It made me think of one. Maybe this will make you laugh. When I interviewed um, Seth and Scott, I, it was in Scott's studio. And I, I had met Scott before, yes. and But I was walking to his studio for the first time. And the first thing I saw was a giant painting of him naked. It was a nude. Yeah. And we both, I mean, it was a great painting. And, and there's no body shame here. But I mean, there it is sort of like, and here I am naked. And we were both sort of looking at it. And I went, there was a, a, a beat of silence. And I just went, did you fluff before that? You fluff it up a little bit? And he went, oh, yeah, you got to fluff up before. Pay. And, and we just laughed so hard. Like, but it was like, you had to address it. You can't. Look, yeah. if there was a naked painting of me right there, I'd have to be like, Bob, thanks for doing the podcast. That's me naked. I did, uh, you know, I tossed it around just a little bit before I did it. And then and then we can do the interview. But that came to mind as you were t- talking about laughing with those guys. And, and it was a great. They're, they're, gr- they're great for that. I laugh. Yeah. And they're great for making funny lyrics to their songs and, and other songs. And I and, believe um, it. And there ain't no ham. <laughs> right. There, there's, there's, there's just, uh, 
I really appreciate those guys for for being like that, for being like that. I believe it. It's special. What you guys have is special and what you're creating is special. And I really think this conversation is going to hit people in, in a really hard to reach part of the heart. And I'm so glad that Josh Church, the wonderful Josh Church. Oh, yeah. What well, is in touch. His idea. Yeah, it was so his idea. Could, just so he could listen. So talk about the ego. So selfish. So he could listen yeah, to this conversation. What a selfish Man. son of a bitch. Gosh. No, he made it happen. And I'm so glad he did. Um, Bob, would you say, keep it crispy? It's how we end. The guest says the catchphrase, and then we'll keep, be out. Keep it crispy. <laughs> Do you need another one? No, I loved it. Keep it crispy. <laughs> I love that you think we needed another one. It was perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend. I will absolutely see you guys next time you're through LA and maybe we'll go out to dinner again. But either it. way, I'll be there just for the church. Just for the well, church. I'll be uh, I'll be name dropping it after we do it. <laughs> to me. To only uh, to me. 